Welcome to Anything But Routine. Today, before we do the podcast, we want to give a huge shout out to Digital Dance. Digital Dance has hundreds of videos from experts from all over the world. You can start your trial today at digitaldanceinstruction.com. Today on the podcast, we have Rick Razor. He interviewed Cindy. He is an author of the book, Take It to the Next Level, Finding the Keys to a Higher Performance. Enjoy the podcast. Okay, I am here with Cindy Clow. Uh, she is the founder of Just for Kicks. Uh, that's nineteen eighty one. Yeah, you're right. You're I correct. Yeah. Well, I just I cheated here as you were looking for the, that information on uh, uh, recording. I, I looked up and saw you're the yeah. founder from nineteen eighty one. So you've been involved in, in dance for over forty years. Yes. Yeah. I started coaching high school before Just for Kick started. So I've been coaching the Brainerd Warrior dance team since. 19 i don't even want to say the year but yeah a long time so yeah and all those years in dance i mean every sport anybody in any sport sees that their sport evolves how have you seen dance evolve and what's different now than what is different now so much is the same but everything is different if that makes sense so i think the biggest change is the athleticism is huge. Like it's just gotten harder and harder every year. And I used to think it was hard when I started, but it was more like drill team back then. And then kicks, you know, we were very like, do your arms, do your legs. It wasn't like this full body movement where you're hitting the floor and getting up. And, you know, I was compare a uh, high school dance team to doing a lot of burpees. It's like an up and down process. It's very exhausting. You know, it's only, you're only three minutes on the floor, but it's, challenging you know so to hit that three minutes they've got to be in pretty great shape so that's big change the other big change is technology it's just incredible what i have seen happen like imagine that my first year of coaching we used records okay we did not have speed control now we didn't have editing when i first started i think brainerd was one of the first teams to do what's called a mix and I used to get our music, of course, I live in Brainerd. We used to get our music mixed at In Fisherman Radio. (laughs) And um, they would use reel-to-reel tape and cut and paste and splice had a very different meaning than it does now. Like he would take the reels and he'd find out where I wanted it. And it'd be like, till you get right between the beat. And then he'd put black Sharpie on it and cut it with a, exacto knife and then cut the piece out i didn't want and tape it together with tape so i always tell my kids cut and paste has a real meaning you know so um that was different the other thing was creativity wise everything had to be up here you didn't like if you saw something once like at a competition you didn't have the video you know when i first started we had silent. I sound like I'm archaic, but we didn't have video. I mean, it started while I was at Brainerd High School, but then it was those big beta tapes. You know, I just have gone through so many changes, but like we didn't have sound on our first videos. They were like 
reel to reel. That was probably my first couple years. And they were like eight millimeter films. So that's different. And so now like the kids go, let, let me go back and watch that. Let me watch myself. You didn't have that. So now you're sitting there figuring out, okay, turn timing, let's slow mo it. You know, you didn't have that option. So everything was just on the spot. And then creativity wise, you didn't get to go search YouTube for ideas for, and music. I remember if you wanted music, I had to like, I found cool places to get music back then. I would go to a place in California, but I had to like call them, order it, get these albums. And then you paid all this money and you might not like it, you know, because you didn't get to listen to it, you know? And so it's just so different. Everything's so instant and to me, very easy right now in terms of finding music and creativity. So that part I love right now. Yeah. I'd never really thought about that, but I'm sure technology. Oh, you know, and even I remember finding songs that were too slow and I just loved them, but they were too slow and we didn't have the ability to speed it up or slow it down back then. You just didn't use it. Then you found something else. So, yeah, you know, so that's, well, you, you mentioned that the athleticism, I mean, what I've seen over the last 10, 12 years going to competitions and, you know, the state tournament, I, I it just blows me away. Yeah. I mean, it's like they're, they're out there. It's gymnastics. It's it's mm-hmm. dance, obviously. But I don't think a lot of people realize. I mean, I have friends who I have. Have you ever seen dance? Oh, no. Well, and then, you know, to show them and it's like, oh, I had no idea. I don't think people realize how athletic it's, it's so many of the, 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 you know, the girls are there. For sure. I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that because I feel it's so underrated as a sport. Yeah. You know, people see it as a buff, like halftime entertainment. And I know Minnesota compared to, I will say compared to almost every other state, we are working hard to, I, I'm not saying other states aren't fabulous. I'm just saying Minnesota as a coaching community, we are working hard to not be a halftime performer. We're working hard to be a standalone sport. So we're trying to compete more than we perform. And if we, we meaning my brainer team, if we ever compete at a halftime, we, we see it as a scrimmage. If we ever perform at a halftime, we see it in our heads as a scrimmage, as a chance for us to go out there and rehearse before Mm -hmm. we're on the competition floor, work out the quirks in front of a crowd, and, and then go compete. But, you know, I know some of our, um, probably our bigger AAA schools are really pushing to not be halftime activity. We want to be a standalone sport. And I do think Minnesota, the credibility we have, you know, na- nationally is pretty, pretty neat. I mean, I've showed videos to people and they're like, you were third place. I hate to see first place, you know, or you were, you know, and, and it, it's really neat what we're doing here. Proud of it. Well, and just for kicks, I mean, maybe I'm going to get off track here a little bit, but just for kicks, it's 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 a national thing. Yeah, just for kicks is a national business. We started in '81 in the basement of our home. My husband Steve and I have done it, and now together for all these years, and now our three kids and their spouses work for the company. So. Um, it, and we at one point had 1000 employees. It has, because of COVID, we've really been hit hard, like extremely hard. I would say we're down to half that. 
And, you know, we've had to trim down because our business has pretty much fallen off a cliff in the last year, which is sad. We're going to try to rebound. We're working hard to rebound. Um, But, you know, it's hard when you can't, when everything we do is event-based and well, first we were shut down, you know, and kids couldn't come to class, but we're rebounding and getting back and we run comp, you know, our business does a lot of different things. We run competitions. We have a mail order catalog. We have a t-shirt embroidery uh, active wear line. And we do a half, we do some events like we take kids on a cultural trip to New York and we do a halftime at the Outback Bowl for over 35 years. We run summer camps um, and, oh gosh, I know I've missed stuff, but we're busy. And and our biggest division of our company is our youth programs. So we have youth programs in 14 states And um, so 14 states with over 200 directors, and these directors are employees of Just for Kicks, but they are the face of Just for Kicks in their community. They are hired, um, they go through a real strategic hiring process, and they represent and teach and run the program in their area. And we do all the behind the scenes for the things for them like choreography, bookkeeping, marketing ideas, uh, graphics, pretty much everything, accounting, you know, taking phone calls. We do everything for them in our home office, our home office support team. And then we run competitions. So all our programs compete against, we, we call it for and with each other. That's why we call it Together We Dance, because we bring all our youth programs together that choose to go. I mean, you know, some come like we have, we have our nationals in Rochester at the Mayo Civic Center and we had um, programs from at least seven states there. So it was pretty neat. I, I can't even imagine. I mean, a large scale. Yeah. What you deal with and how you manage everything. I mean, Great. I, the oh, times that I've been to the camps at, uh, was it Forest Junior High or Forest Middle School? Middle school. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I've been there and, you know, you've got eight, 900 dancers at these camps. I mean, even that to me is just mind boggling. Yeah. Manage it all. Yeah. And, you know, we have, it's a pretty well oiled machine. And it's funny because some of the people that work for us, you know, they run events with me and help. And one of my, um, one of my employees, her name is Amanda and we work real close together. And you know, she was, she came onto the bowl game tour after it was a well-oiled machine, you know, and, and she would sometimes ask me, well, I think we should do this or that. And I'd be like, just trust me, you know, been there, done that. This is every re- reason we do, you know, everything we do has a reason, like something went wrong the year before, or we learned it the hard way. Steve and I always say we got our training in the school of hard knocks because it, it is, it's just been a process. So she came on board when that was a well-oiled machine because our ball games run like, you know, I, I had a mom and I, this sounds braggy. I don't mean it to sound that way, but she came on the tour and she goes, you people should run the world. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> it just runs like clockwork on time. And, you know, we have it to the point where we have every kid has a barcode. We scan them when they get on the bus. We know how many kids we, you know, cause we some one year we had a thousand four hundred people at that. Oh. And we're taking them, we had 26 buses, like going to Disney and going to the beach and going, you know, so we turn into tour guides during that week. And it's so fun that that's, it's, it's hard work, but it's fun. You know, it, 
I'm getting off track here. I can't remember what I was talking about. But oh, anyway, then Amanda came. We started this trip from the ground when she's been on board now working on our New York tour. And she said, I never had to invent something before, like what we're doing now. She goes, everything I've come into, like camp and has already been figured out, you know, because it it is true. Like everything you you figure out by goofing up and then the next year fixing it, you know, so learn from your mistakes for sure do that you might make steve I, is his is his middle name saint or? yeah steve saint putting up with me for sure but steve and i balance each other well because i'm the creative the kind of i'm add so i'm like always going here and going there and have 15 million ideas and he's always the one now you know but he, he always says, if it wasn't for me, you know, some people think stuff through too much where I'm just do it before I think. But Steve is the brains of the finances. I mean, he is and I always call him honest, Abe. He's like deals with all the taxes and the, oh, my gosh, just imagine it, every that, time, you know, and now my, degree in, in accounting or. He did. He he actually had a degree in count and accounting. He's also just really. um good with numbers and and that's totally not my thing and um, now my son has taken over uh, all the accounting my husband's kind of semi-retired uh but um he still works but he's more semi-retired but we have worked hard you know we've worked hard for over 40 years what an amazing family story that's just so cool it is it's really neat you know and there's there's a lot of times where it's neat and a lot of times where it's hard you know because we we bring our work home Cause we're all doing it, you know? So we'll be out and finally we're like, let's not talk about work. And then pretty soon it's back to work, you know? So, but we always have something to talk about. So yeah. I have to laugh cause our grandkids are, you know, we have four grandkids and one on the way. And just to give you an idea how into everything they are, we were at, had an event last week and my grandson came in and he's, he's nine and he goes, are we concerned that we don't have X's on the bleachers for social distancing? are we going to get in trouble for that? <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. And I had to laugh that he said, are we concerned? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's already, he's already thinking, yeah. do it, help us, you know, so He'll that's be running the show in two years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's funny, but uh, definitely been some challenges. <laughs> all the, all the things, I don't know, for lack of better word, I mean, gosh, accomplish accomplishments and things that you've, developed i mean what what would be your your the thing that you're the most proud of i mean it's like you know, um, being, you know performances at the outback i mean that so, has I mean, you, you know those have a huge special place in my part in my heart um I, I don't know i think one of the things we're the most proud of is providing jobs for our directors because we have 200 directors they're on commission they're paid well and I think empowering them and helping them be better leaders is one of my um, callings. I, I love working with that and, and helping them be stronger and watching their growth has been really rewarding for me. Some of the major events like the Outback Bowl have definitely been, been great. And, and some of the events that we've done that, you know, like we always laugh because our first together we dance, Steve said, well, this was the stupidest thing you've ever thought of. And now they're probably one of our best revenue generators. But the first year, it took an hour and 15 minutes for the entire event. And 
Brainerd won everything. So then every, every other director, all the parents were mad. So that's why he said that the first year, but then we, we worked hard on continuing ed, helping our other directors. And it's always my pleasure when they kick our butts, you know, so seeing them get better is great. Yeah. That's cool. Well, and, and kind of along that line, so you think about the, all the success you've had, um, why or how, I mean, if you were to pick three things, what mm -hmm. do you feel has been the most, you know? Well, one of the biggest things we kind of talked about before when we were talking is um, I feel not letting setbacks define you. You know, one time I listed out all our failures. We, we, I, I there's a Winston Churchill um, saying that I love going from failure to failure and never losing your enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that you're going to have a lot of failures. And I think so many people quit just before it might have, you know, there's been so many down low moments where you know, one division of the business was supporting the other division, like, you know, some of the divisions were going in the red and the red and the other division kept them in the black, you know, so, you know, we could have thrown in the towel on some of them, but, you know, that that's been hard. So resilience, I think, and being able to get back up after you've been knocked down, because you get knocked down quite a bit. Oh, I think that would be one key one. Um, the second, I would just think being valuing the people that work with you. You know, I don't like to say for you, I say with you because I feel like you're only as strong as your people that work with you. And, you know, I always, um, and Steve's a really good model of this, that we always try to never, um, maybe now in our older age, we work less hard than other people, but we always try to set the example that we won't expect you to do anything that we wouldn't do, you know? And there's <clears throat> been so many stories that I could tell about that. Like Steve being the one to clean up barf on the buses at the Outback Bowl and kids got motion sick, keep <laughs> one on there cleaning it and doing it instead of expecting someone else to, you know? So we never tried to, you know, I remember one day I was picking up garbage at Forest View before a camp outside and someone goes, what are you doing? And I go, oh, I'm just picking up the garbage. It was overflowing no, I mean, why are you doing it? And I go, because it needed picking up, you know? So, you know, I try to not act like, oh, we can't do that. You know, we always put, try to do what our, our employees do. And guess what? They work harder because of that. Well, I, and I, I love that, that that concept of working mm -hmm. with them instead of, you know, they're yeah. with you instead of for you. And that's, that's leadership, where lead, true leaders are people who are, more servants than they are feeling like they're in charge. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's true. That's true. Yeah, even you know. even with in sports teams, you know, kids want to be captains, but you know, a real leader is the, that person who wants to bring everybody to that next level. And it's not about who's in charge or you know that role. It's just yeah, the passion that. It's not about the title as much as, you know, what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, what what did I read somewhere that leadership is not about getting people to follow you. It's being the type of person that people want to follow, you know, I, and, and that's what we try to do. And some of that just, you know, I think that we're just really hard workers. <laughs> Both yeah. and I are very hard workers. So. Well, yeah, and hard, hard work pays off. 
yeah yeah that's uh and i always you know i think i've done it at camp where i do that four-way tug of war oh yeah i love that yeah, yeah and you know at the end of that you know i'm facilitating afterwards with your briefing and talking about how this applies and i always tell kids you look around and watch people the people who are working the hardest mm -hmm. they're always having the most and they always fill in the blank fun yeah yeah the harder you work the more fun you have and or the more lucky you are your family <laughs> yeah. have obviously done that it's 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 pretty pretty neat success story oh thank you uh, uh I have to ask, you know, you have like a, like a clothing line. Is that how you would describe it or? Yeah, it's called Move You and it's a, per, a uh, what do you call it? Performance apparel, but it's like warm up suits and leggings and um, T-shirts and like we make that right in Brainerd, Minnesota. It's who's the mastermind behind designing? I mean, I don't. Uh, we have a lot of different. Oh, it was my son Jared's idea. You know, it's funny because my son Joel is like Steve. He's the, you know, he also announces though. You know, it's funny because Joel wanted to be a sports announcer and he's announcing dance now, but um, he loves it. And then my son Jared is the idea kind of person, kind of like I am. But he came with, up with the idea to do dye sublimation. I have no idea where this came from with him, but we are one of the first dye sublimation companies in the United States. And what dye sublimation is, it's you take a blank, you take a piece of white fabric and then you print the ink on paper. And then the paper, it's basically, you know, you've heard people say hot off the press. It, it basically heats it in there and like you could have polka dots or what let's just say whatever you want and it makes it into the fabric so it's really kind of neat because people could have their logos and they can have their school mascots printed right on their clothing so it's kind of neat and now there's been other companies that are doing it too but we were one of the very first ones in the united states so you actually have a printing or you are you is this contracted out or we have a company right here in Brainerd. It's a sometime you should come tour it. It's really neat. It's called the Tea Hive. And oh, I've seen I've yeah. seen that. Yeah. And it has t-shirts, embroidery, dye sublimation, and we also make costumes for our dancers. So in our youth programs, we had, not now, we had over 30,000 dancers annually. And so we in the United States here may, in Brainerd make a lot of their costumes and it's local sewers. We also subcontract sewing out to sewing pods like in Minneapolis and in San Diego in different places in the country because we can't get enough sewers. Sewing is kind of a, a lost art in some ways. So, no. so we get, we need to get more, you know, we try to get more sewers, but um, yeah. It's a big process making and right now you know it all sounds glorious but right now has been some really tough times where we're going to have to learn to be resilient because in our warehouse right now of our catalog because we we ship out to high schools dance studios all over the country for our mail order catalog and we have over five million dollars in inventory sitting on the shelves because nothing happened with covid because there were no shows there were no so people quit ordering so when we used to have like busy, busy times are, it's just sitting there now waiting to go. So yeah, it's been, it's been challenging, but we're going to try to come through it. 
Yeah. I, you know, the thing about dance and probably more related to the high school teams, I, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, I hope I'm not wrong, but I'm, I'm really impressed with the positive networking that seems to go on. I mean, between the competing against each other, but at the same time, it seems like there's such a neat support system. Is that, you feel it? I feel it, yeah. And, you know, I, um, I feel our Just for Kicks camp has, and I don't want to take credit for it, but I feel like it has helped nurture it because our coaches all come together and we share ideas and we share what works and what doesn't work. And, and you don't see that everywhere. And yeah. I know I had a coach from Iowa at our camp in here in Minnesota and she, and we do camps in Iowa too, but she was at our Minnesota camp and she said, you guys, this isn't normal. What, <laughs> that, no, she just said, you don't see this everywhere, how you guys are helping each other. And, and it's just been, you know, I think it's been our culture in Minnesota and I'm really proud of that. And I do think that's why our teams are strong too, is because you know, you know, I have a friend, Leslie Swiggum, who coached at YZ for 40 years. She used to say, come watch our practice anytime. You know, who gives their secrets away? You know, we do that too. I've had so many teams bus in to watch us practice. And, you know, I just feel like we're all stronger if we, we share. And I get as, you know, you get much back as much as you give out. And, and I feel our Minnesota coaches, I'm happy you noticed that because it is cool. Well, and your, your competition, you know, makes just makes you better. And uh, I and you and maybe you don't see it, you know, that like that Iowa coach. They, we don't. That doesn't happen here, but it doesn't happen in other sports. Cindy, I mean, I, I I remember when I was quite young, my athletic director or and great guy Ron Stolsky, he was my mentor, and mentored me all the way. Hired me when I was seventeen at Brainerd High School, believe it or not. And he just said, you know, you don't have to give away all your secrets. He used to tell me that. And I, you know, and sometimes I look back and go, well, maybe I shouldn't have, because now, you know, it, it, it has not, ju not just me, but the fact that people have shared their secrets, it, it, it does make it harder for all of us. You know, sometimes I wish I would have kept some to myself. <laughs> well, yeah, smart sure. people, smart people would figure it out anyway. Right. So you're, you're, like a legend and and i oh. you know, i just it's just so cool i think think that's the neatest thing about dance and in minnesota you know other coaches if i work with a team they're not going to tell another coach in their section or conference oh rick did this and the, the athletes loved it and you know you can mm -hmm. but in dance i'm constantly getting you know contacts from other coaches that well so and so from this school told me you know, That's awesome. Like, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, we yeah. do have a real healthy, um, competitive. You know, I, I remember there's a lot of people I compete with where I'm like, how good are you this weekend? You know, I jokingly sent them an email and eh, we're pretty good. Oh, dang. You know, yeah. it, it's kind of banter back and forth. It's kind of fun. So you, you're, it's just amazing what you do. I just, well, thank you. I think you're pretty amazing, too. Well, thank so. you. I, we want to thank Rick for being on the podcast today um, and go check out his book. It's a great read. You can find it on Amazon. And we want to thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time.